0: Welcome to the American Intelligence Media. I'm your host, Douglas Gabriel. I'm here with my good friend, Michael McKibben and others. They come, they go, as long as there's coffee in the pot. Mm -hmm. Now, what we're going to discuss today is a very odd thing that happened. This happens a lot, though, that the researchers had a document dropped in their lap. And we're going to discuss the document. And what the deal is here is it's a 1940s document from congressional records that show that there was a guy named Jacob Thorkelsen from Montana who was reading into the record all these things about the Pilgrim Society and direct things from Andrew Carnegie, which are stating what the real plan was to try to get us into World War II through British propaganda. And the emphasis here is they they were focusing on this particular individual, Jacob Thor Kelson, of stopping an organization called the British-Israeli World Federation of States. This organization still exists now, and it was basically a, a kind of a United Nations in a way, but it was really British racial imperialism. And so you're going to say, wait, 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 British-Israeli? How are you saying racial? People forget that it was the Brits who created Israel. They they had it; it was their possession, and they're the Zionists, and that's quite different than Jews, and that's quite different than what we're going to call here international money changers, because these international money changers are the banksters who make money off of money for doing nothing, and that's really the evil. So this Jacob Thorkelson, when we saw this document, it. It warmed the cockles of our hearts, our little British hearts, because we can see that all of our uh, research on the last hundred years, especially from Cecil Rhodes on, was being demonstrated by what this person was reading from documents that we had not seen before. Don't know where some of these documents came from, but they seemed to be inside documents from the Pilgrim Society and from other societies, which were in fact, according to Jacob, waging a war against America, a British war against America that never ended that wishes to make Canada and America a colony again. In other words, the Commonwealth of Canada needs to absorb America. No big deal. They're not going to conquer us. They're just going to reabsorb us and that this has been going on all along. We have been saying this now for quite some time and people have been giving us pushback. But the point is in today's Congress, We have people who are terrible anti-Semites. They're against Jews and therefore Palestinians and blah, 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 blah. And people are always saying, why don't we make a clear statement about what we think about international uh, Judaism? Well, there is no such thing. There are many branches of Judaism. And if you do not know uh, the different branches, you don't know what you're talking about. We're talking today about British Zionism. And it's the same British Zionism, British-Israeli, basically world hegemony that is not centered in Israel. It's not even centered in Silicon Valley and it's not centered in Britain. It's all over the place. It's wherever there's high-tech theft going on. That's where the real British-Israeli-Zionist connection is happening. So we wanted to bring this out and talk about this and Michael has completely... Uh, taking a serious look at this as a researcher, tell us what you've been doing with this article, Michael.
1: Well, we had we got a copy of it, but it wasn't marked, and so what we uh, some folks did is they started looking at the Congressional Record at the Government Printing Office to actually find the document. Uh, the The documents there there are nine submissions that he made into the Congressional Record in um, in August of 1940. And this was after the war had just begun. And it's clear he wanted to get actual names, company names, individual names, uh, British royalty, British peerage, uh, and he calls them American aristocracy as well. And and he wanted to get all that into the record. And and what, what I'm finding fascinating about the evidence here is that this information is completely contemporary with what, what we're dealing with right now. And so the uh, we've actually found the uh, records of the uh, sessions of Congress where he's introducing this uh, information into the record. And clearly he was doing it for posterity because I understand he only had one term uh, as a representative from Montana. So what we have here is him injecting some of his opinion, but most of the document, he is citing documents of the people at the time that he believed were driving um, America and Britain into a new world war that he was opposed to. And uh, and so therefore, he's trying to just get the facts on record, and that's what we see. Now, I, I understand, I haven't looked at a lot with the current... Uh, discussion of him but i understand he was uh, has been there's been attempts to discredit him to uh to uh, discourage people from looking into the information that he's presented uh by trying to uh, destroy his character his personality but uh, uh the facts are the facts whether he put them in play or other anybody else and so we can read through that and actually read the the facts for what they are, and that's what we're doing right now. And it's really kind of shocking because I hadn't realized how
0: many of the aristocracy of uh, Britain were actually Jews who changed their names. Now we had already shown you that many of the Jews from Venice and from Florence and from Italy came up into Germany, and then and also into Holland and then into England, and so. You know, the Rothschild's previous name was Bauer, and they were Jews in Germany, in the bankers. And now, hmm, all of a sudden, they became what was, in the past, called the court Jew. In other words, they became the person who handled usury and money, and the Queen's dealings with money, or any monarchy's dealing with money, can't be even looked at by the common people or the parliament. No, it had to be handled by the court Jew, because it was... uh, Charging interest on money, like banks do or lenders do, was considered to be verboten. It was illegal, according to the Catholic Church. It was forbidden. It was not allowed. And so the court Jew, for a long time, had that as a monopoly, especially in the early days when we've described for you, as we have described for you, the Venetian bankers, who then came in and literally taught the British bankers what they know. And so when I saw the list, the most impressive list of all of the aristocracy and the way that they were Jewish, that was only um, as impressive as the list of all the Fabian, uh, excuse me, Pilgrim Society members, which Mm -hmm. also Jacob read into the uh, congressional record because he wanted everybody to know that this went from the president all the way down to every banker and the Warburgs and the J.P. Morgan. All of them. All of them. All of them.
1: Well, he also identified specific corporations like uh, AT&T, like RCA, uh, like uh, uh, J.P. Morgan Bank. I mean, it, it, it's it's a who's who of uh, current American corporations that are uh, uh, attempting to develop this new world order. And as you and President Trump both say, you've got to have a hundred-year
0: perspective on anything to really (laughs) uh, see what's going on. And Unless you know that Cecil Rhodes was taking the racial imperialism of the British, which was basically mimicking the German imperialism of of Kaiser Wilhelm and the Second Reich in Germany in the uh, late 1800s, unless you see that that was very... Uh, that was planned. That was very conscious. This wasn't an accident. So when Cecil Rhodes came along and was able to take over South Africa's uh, gold and diamonds and fleece them completely, it was... Just standard operating procedure for the British East India Company. And what happened then? Corporations then started to have an obscure line between what a country is and what a corporation is, what war is, what corporate prof- profits are, are corporations culpable? And what we found out is that the Queen can do any business she wants because she had her court Jew and the Bank of England, if we're speaking of England where you can't ask any questions about the Queen's business, so therefore you can't ask any questions about the Bank of England, therefore you can't ask any questions about the Rothschilds, therefore you can't ask any questions about most of the Jews who were given arist- aristocratic titles in England because they're all part of the Privy Council, the period systems where they all have uh, sworn fealty to the Queen. So everybody has to keep their mouth shut for the monarchical insider trading that's going on. And that's what this yep. Jacob... Thor Kelsen was bringing out and there's no debating that but the point is is how come that is not debated now because it's still going on why was he so odd back then and of course what did they do to him just like they did with Trump the second you tell the truth especially uh Brit uh crown gate you know British gate the British interference in our elections the British attempted coup of Trump the second you mentioned that oh five eyes special friends We've never had friends like the Brits. The Brits have always been our friends. They were always on our side. Well, of I need war. to point
1: out, Douglas, that this record occurred in 1940. In 1946, Five Eyes was created. Mm-hmm. So Five Eyes was clearly developed in a furtherance of this agenda that he's describing here for the Pilgrim Society, which had chapters in London and in New York, to continue consolidating this plan to bring America back into the British fold. That's Absolutely. totally stated in this document.
0: It is a continuation and a, and a thoroughgoing uh, encompassing of what they called complete control of communication. Yep. At that time. They clearly said they wanted British dominion in a British-Israeli world federation of states. That's yep. This is clearly stated in document after document at that time. And
1: they weren't, they weren't trying to hide it at that time. They believed Canada was supposed to absorb America. So let me throw in a couple of, uh, Pepper, this with some specifics. One of the men who was identified numerous times within the Pilgrim Society chapters is Thomas Watson, the founder of IBM. And here we have now IBM, and they also mention AT and T. They mention the BBC. They mention um, Marconi. They, they they talk about all these technology companies that we've identified as part of this uh, current coup against the president. But here they are, back in 1940, being identified as the as the uh, progenitors of this drive to go to war, and that was his specific argument here is that these people are against peace they were for war and he was identif- he was calling them out and, and no wonder he got he got excuriated after that and as you pointed out he says there's an american
0: aristocracy and these pro-british people these british loyalists to this right up to that time are clearly f- more from they're britain first Britain first, not America first. And so he is saying, look, folks, we are being and we are engaged in a war. And it's a communication war. It's a war of propaganda where they want to make me into a Nazi Jew hater when I'm just telling you that the British Israeli Zionist attempt to create one world government with also one world religion, which he also reads into the record, many other documents pointing that out. It isn't about Judaism. It isn't about Jews, and it isn't about saying every banker is a Jew. No, no, no. That isn't what it's about. It's about British Israel. Now, what is British Israel? Well, that was a, the,
1: the the focus on who the the Jewish folks are in in America and Britain is only one or two of the parts in his nine part series. So let's not. Overemphasize that. He, he talks a lot about what was going on with the Pilgrim Society, and uh, that was a much broader group of people. And I think that, uh,
0: as you say, there's other things, and we need to remember that Cecil Rhodes, kind of the progression, Cecil Rhodes and his racial imperialism, basically a world hegemony based upon Arianism being English. Because you speak English or because you're British, then you should rule the world. And, oh, we have to have America on our side, too. That was Cecil Rhodes' deepest desire. And he, he had a group called the Roundtable, and he trained Milner. And Milner then continued the Roundtable. And John Buchan. And he continued a, a group called Milner's Kindergarten, which basically then controlled the whole war board. It controlled all of the propaganda uh, out of the war board. It controlled basically everything all through intelligence, and they didn't even necessarily tell the parliament or whoever, they 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 only told whoever they they wanted. There was a very special, special group. And out of that group came our own CIA, our own uh, NSA. uh, All of those things came out of that British
1: endeavor to control all communications for the sake of what? World hegemony. They controlled communications for propaganda, we now know that the people identified here, in some of these cases, the, the, it's the uh, daughters and sons or cousins of the folks from World War I uh, were continuing this plan to to uh, combine propaganda with technology, wireless and then TV, to uh, to control the impression the world has about Britain. This is one thing that was interesting about these documents. They're talking about being sensitive to how British history is portrayed in America, and they portray it as unfair, and they're trying to fix that.
0: Yes, I think uh, Jacob uh, Thor Kelson would probably give us the full progression. Uh, we have the part showing the Pilgrim Society, just showing how absolutely guilty these people are, and then secret documents from Aunt Andrew Carnegie stating what his intentions were, and basically that he was a good Scotsman and that he never stopped being a good, Uh, you know, a good uh, monarchical uh, vassal to the queen and the king. And uh, essentially, Andrew Carnegie spent a fortune trying to reunite or trying to unite Canada and America so that it would come back underneath British control. So we have the secret documents and their intents and the lists of their intents are always pointed at internationalism, always pointed at destabilization of America and keeping secret any uh, animosity between America and Britain because they always have to promote the propaganda, their number one thing, that we've always been the best of friends, we've always worked together, we've always been on the same side in all wars, we speak the same language, and so therefore we have to all be vassals underneath the same monarchy. And that's complete nonsense, and that's what this was, was an attempt to stop that. So, when you say British Israeli in our modern times, what you're actually saying is Five eyes Slash, Mussad, British Mussad, which then in parentheses you have to put the, uh, uh, what's it called, Unit 8200, and then Slash Talpiot, T A L P I O T, end of parentheses. Why would you have to do that? Because that's how they are controlling the world, it is through technology. And so you uh, you can't get a better, uh, it's unbelievable. Get ready for this statistic. The Israeli Mossad, Unit 8200, if you count all of the people in it, it's over a million people and almost none of them are in Israel. <laughs> Where are they? They are in tech companies. Uh, anywhere in any particular year, between 50 to 75% of the new startups come out of a group called Talpiat, which is infinitely funded venture capital uh, money coming out of Britain and Israel to support new startup technologies for people who spent six years in the uh, uh, Unit 8200, basically what is the Mossad's cyber uh, warfare unit. So after six years of cyber warfare tech, they come out and these ex-basically soldiers of Israel Go to Silicon Valley, hang out, get involved in the new startups, and then get infinite money to carry them through. So, and those aren't in Israel, and we also allow Israel, uh, don't we, to uh, build the Intel microchip? Though we're not supposed to allow any foreign country to. So, when you say Israel, you say Britain, and we say Britain, you say Five Eyes. So, I've 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 always said Five Eyes. No, means Six Eyes. You got to include Israel. Then you have to include the hidden. Uh, sixth and seventh eye which is China and Russia because they're all the time spying on us and they all the time have it and usually Pakistan has it too so that's not the Jews fighting for their existence in Israel and that's not the Jews who are necessarily encroaching on areas outside of what was Israel in the Palestinian areas so we're not going to get into that debate we could get into the Golan Heights and Genie oil and the whole thing and yes we can get into the uh, the oil in the uh, in the Mediterranean, but the point is, why is no one in our Congress or a Senate today doing what Jacob Thorkelson did stand up and show that the real enemy has been since before seventeen seventy six the british monarchy
1: well i don't think this information uh was so tightly available uh is so tightly available today uh the, the, the amount of detail is is amazing here. And they've actually given the full names of, of uh, everyone on both sides of the Atlantic that was involved in this. So clearly back in 1940, this wasn't a secret. And it has disappeared. And, and uh, when we actually started looking for this document, we did find it different places. But for some reason, it, it, it just hasn't raised uh, up in our level of consciousness of of what's going on. But I guess the other thing that uh, we needed is we needed this longer view of who was organizing this and what was their purpose. And it seems like Thorkelson got a lot of it right. Uh, And and maybe he was a lone voice or, or the propaganda machine on both sides of the Atlantic was so effective and tightly controlled back then that he was buried and maybe it takes this uh, new internet uh, to uh, to get this out, so that people become aware of this long view of what we are experiencing right now, because we couldn't understand it otherwise. I mean, when when, when uh, Chandler told me one time, when when uh, we were talking about our technology and our, and our innovation, <laughs> he made a statement out of the blue. He says, "Well, you know, sometimes uh, technologies are." the inventor of a technology is not worthy of monetizing it. He made a statement like that, and I thought, well, that is an odd statement coming from a patent attorney. Uh, and, And he had also said that his job was to protect the intellectual property of the United States, which I also never understood fully. Now I do. He was saying that the United States steals all technology, and it's his job to make sure they keep it stolen. That's what he was saying. And that all of these people uh, have have made this universal claim to what people on Main Street invent because they believe that probably there's there's a God complex here. They believe that they are the only ones that can truly exploit the intellectual property of humanity. And so therefore, they're going to take it wherever they can get it. So it's probably more this royal, monarchical, uh, everything that in the queen's realm is the queen's property well that's very close to communism
0: well, i call it the evil empire and chandler he's a darth chandler he is an insidious uh, evil uh, servant of the evil empire of the monarchy of britain which has taken over... Still, it actually controls America whether we want to admit it or not. Now, when we were talking about the Pilgrim Society, don't imagine for a moment that it's what they try to tell you. A conspiracy theory. That it was simply a dinner group that met in New York and London. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. It's a lot more a formal dinner than that. group. A dinner group. Now, here's what it was. It was a continuation of Cecil Rhodes' Roundtable and Milner's Roundtable and Milner's Kindergarten. And it was... a. a, a, a south america south african imperialism which then became literally codified and then it became uh it went through the uh the war propaganda and became what was then the fabian society and that is basically just tavistock reprogramming of people to accept what was uh, intended here british hegemony and then it turned into literally officially uh One could say the Inquiry in America through Woodrow Wilson and then later the League of Nations and then later the United Nations and then also the Royal Institute of uh, International Studies, which then has its branches in America called the Council on Foreign Relations, which has controlled our foreign policy since the moment that it was created. And who was in it to begin with? That was Rockefeller, that was uh, Carnegie, uh, that was uh, Rothschild and Warburg and Morgan and all their lawyers. Yes. That's all, that's who's on the list for Fabians. And so their little dinner club, excuse me, Pilgrim Society. So their little Pilgrim Society dinner club, no, that was insider trading on the worst level of the greatest, most powerful elite, which at that time was only really a handful of people. And so what we have is a very clear history of the control that came out of the dream of Cecil Rhodes, which is to have a racial imperialistic empire that controls the world. But he needed America as the military arm if it was going to be pulled off, and he knew that, and that's the reason he invested into the Rhodes Scholars and into basically brainwashing people while they're in college and also
1: brainwashing through, as they called it, all communications, Douglas, let me read you um, a couple of sections here. Uh, the Pilgrim Society originated in london july eleventh nineteen o two as an Anglo-American club of important Englishmen and Americans. An American branch was formed January thirteenth nineteen o three at the old w- Waldorf Astoria Hotel, in New York. Both societies are commonly known as the Pilgrims. An extract of the Pilgrim Constitution reads, and this is in quotes. The object of the society shall be the promotion of the sentiment of brotherhood among the nations and especially the cultivation of good fellowship between citizens of the United States and its dependencies and subjects of the British Empire. The members shall be citizens of the United States or its dependencies or subjects of the British Empire and other prominent for their sympathy with the objects of the society who shall be elected by the executive committee and membership in the london pilgrims shall ipso facto constitute membership in the new york society and vice versa without additional dues the membership shall be limited to 900 the number shall be n- may be altered by executive committee now let me just uh, skip down here who are these good fellows that are so deeply interested in British and American friendship and in the, quote, united democracy? By the way, we're a republic, not a democracy. They are none other than the 900 of British American aristocracy. They represent as a body the most powerful combination of men of wealth and influence on both sides of the Atlantic. They, they, the Pilgrim membership in America and Great Britain, have included an still include men in the highest positions in government in diplomacy in finance in banking in education in the church in literature in publishing in commerce in industry in shipping and in practically all other fields of national and international activities the president of the british pilgrims is his royal highness the duke of connaught great uncle of the present king and it goes on it is much more detailed than that but uh, there you have it it's a group of 900 it's the privy council is 600 uh, 700 and so this is another group formed like the privy council with some of the people from the british side are privy councilors so they've basically extended the privy council to the us that's what we're des- what they're describing here
0: wow they're ha- they, that this is their
1: it. foot in the door
0: yeah that's a very interesting well, after World War One, we get to see that these organizations we just described—you know, these roundtables and the councils and the uh, the R R the R I I S and the Council on Foreign Relations—that was kind of a secretive group, you know. And it uh, we can see that that started long before in after World War One or actually during World War One, where anything to do with the war, oh, it's super secret, and only the select ultra secret group gets to uh, you know participate in that and then after world War and then what did that lead to after World War One, the League of Nations, which America never bought into, and when they couldn't control it, they control through control us through the League of Nations, they controlled us through the Council on Foreign Relations, which finally convinced us to become members of the u n and through the United Nations, they try to take away our sovereignty. This is an attack on our sovereignty since World War I by the Brits. In World War II, they just turned it into Five Eyes. And as you have brought forward the research for both World War I and II, and the exact documents, signatures and the names and dates and everything else we could possibly need, showing that Five Eyes basically created an intel group that didn't even report to The people who were elected, the people or anybody, they only reported to themselves. And to this very day, those intelligence groups still control things like the fake crown gate, the attack on Trump. Notice that the British, no one is talking in our Congress or our Senate, hardly at all except Devin Nunes to mention a few Brits, that the British were behind the whole thing. It's still going on. It is an attack on our sovereignty. It has never stopped And this is just uh, more proof of it. We can go into, we've gone into the Round Table and Milner's Kindergarten. We've gone into what happened in South Africa and the way the British East India Company, all that, we've gone into those things. This is about the Pilgrim Society showing that Andrew Carnegie, a member of it, would give every dime he had to reconnect America to British control and basically all of his friends along with him. So we're still in a war and that is an attack on our sovereignty and it goes on to this very day and until we start looking at the british and every time we look at the british as betsy was just pointing out earlier people yell foul anti-semitism and you go well wait 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 wait. i didn't say anything about any jews what are you talking about well you said britain (laughs) israel well britain created israel so therefore that's jewish therefore that's anti-semitism and you're saying no, 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 no. The labor Zionists. We were talking about labor Zionists. We were talking about Ashkenazi Jews. Ashkenavi Jews. We're dry. You can talk about all kinds of things. But if you mention Britain, you get slammed by the Anti-Defamation League because you are hate speech. But in fact, we're not. We're just stating the history with the British Commonwealth. I call it the evil empire. They call it the Commonwealth now. And my joke is, yes, the queen takes the the wealth of the commoners, and makes it her own. That's what a commonwealth is. Well, you know, Betsy was just asking the question about why is it that the British are so connected to, the, to Israel? What is that all about? Well, first off, let's make it perfectly clear. That is their foundation to protect their oil interests in the area. But remember, this goes back to what I was just saying, the League of Nations. The League of Nations, while it was being created and the Americans weren't signing on to it or the Treaty of Versailles. In another room, uh, Balfour and Sheldon and all the rest of them were simply passing the sykes pinot Agreement, which was dividing up the entire Levant, in, dividing up Syria, Israel, dividing up uh, Jordan and Lebanon and and Iraq, and basically dividing it up for who? The British, the French, the Russians, and the Americans. And okay, we, through Standard Oil, got Saudi Arabia, now didn't we? AMCO, what does that mean? That is an American oil company. When finally Saudi Arabia got control of that, the wealth that they got, they practically can't handle now. The British and the French got all the oil from uh, Iran, and then it was uh, some debate about who would get the oil in Iraq and in the rest of the Levant, particularly coming through Syria, because you always have to have a place for the pipelines to come so you can load up the ships. So that's really very simple. The British are not, they didn't ever give up Israel. That's a joke. Uh, There are more British Zionists than there are probably Jewish Zionists, okay? And Zionists aren't nice people. And Zionists now control Golan Heights and Genie Oil. And guess who? That's Rupert Murdoch. That's Rothschild. That's Larry Summers. I mean, we're... Pardon me? Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. Halliburton interests. We're talking about those are, uh, no, no, it isn't always Jewish. This is about ruthless, disgusting, as they say in this report, international money changers. Because all they are is money mongers who make money off of money for doing nothing, as I keep saying. That's the source of evil. So in this particular case, the British never left Israel. And they literally, as Michael just pointed out when we were off uh, microphone. Uh, Unfortunately, then in World War II, six million Jews were given up in a Holocaust when they knew before that 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 they needed to create the necessity for a homeland for the diaspora of the Jews. Yes. Oh, absolutely. The Sykes-Pinot describes basically all of these things and more. Uh, and they knew this from the beginning. And so the British in that area, they're never going to leave. And right now, the battle is that the Brits want their oil back from Iran. That's why the Straits of Hormuz is the issue. And they tried to set us up with false intelligence, using a laser cannon to blow holes which into uh, freighters uh, in three different uh, international ports and have their freighters supposedly stolen. All fake. That was the British all fake intelligence, what's new. Trump didn't go for it, so Trump isn't going to get sucked into the Israeli, uh, supposed Israeli war. It's not Israeli war. It's Israelis defending themselves. It's a Zionist war. So this beautiful report, Michael, that you have brought just underscores the fact that from 1940 on, when everyone knew these things and it was common knowledge, it wasn't considered a conspiracy theory to say these things. Right. It was just fact.